Hi, this is Feed, Play, Love, the parenting podcast that you can fit in your pocket. Short, informative and interesting interviews about everything from toilet training to how emotion coaching works. I'm your host, Siobhan Hunt. The next interview is one of the diamonds from our archive. Enjoy. When it comes to protecting our kids from sexual abuse, the dominant conversation tends to be about the perpetrators. Recent years have led to revelations about those in the church and other institutions who abuse children or didn't protect children from being abused. Parents today grew up with warnings of stranger danger in our ears constantly. But these days we know it's more likely to be someone our child knows and trusts. So what can we do as parents and carers to keep our children safe? Lily Isabella is the CEO of the One A Day Project. She travels the country teaching parents and children about sexual health and safety. Hi, Lily. How are you? Hi, Siobhan. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. So what would you say to parents who are getting all these messages? They've grown up with the message about stranger danger and then... They hear about the uh, abuses that have happened in institutions. Then they get the message that it's going to be someone you know and trust. And then all of a sudden, they're just panicking, going, well, how do I protect my child? What would you say to parents that have got all of those messages coming at once? It's really overwhelming and it's really, really easy to go into panic and want to just grab your child, lock the door and never leave the house. But that's not helpful. So the first thing I would say to any parent is please just take a breath and um, look at what you have the capability of actually doing. And the thing that you have the capability of doing is actually being a point of conversation and a point of information for your child, your child's go-to person about everything to do with sex and relationships and their bodily autonomy. So that is something that is infinitely within every parent's capability to achieve. So start there. You're not going to be able to go out and change the horrific statistics that we have with institutional abuse. You're not going to be beside your child every waking second of the day, but you do have the power to um, give them the information they need to be confident and safe, and that can start really young. Is there anything we should be teaching them about other adults or what to be wary of with other adults? We don't want our kids to be scared, but... I also don't want to necessarily throw the baby out with the bathwater if there's something to be learned from understanding the adults in their lives. Absolutely. Uh, Look, there's a pretty multifaceted approach that tends to work best. And one of the things that feeds into that is the ability to start um, understanding intuition and how you feel around other people and good behaviour and uncomfortable behaviour. So... What we teach children, first and foremost, is that their body belongs to them, that they're absolutely in charge of what happens to their body, who touches it, who helps them with the bathroom, who helps them with bathing, and that they have a right to say yes and no to every kind of touch that happens. So we build that capacity. And then we build the capacity of uh, feeling into situations and being around people that might feel okay in their body and might not feel might feel yucky, uh, might feel difficult, and we start to teach them how to respect that feeling. So if they're not feeling comfortable looking at ways that they can remove themselves from the situation or gain access to another adult to bring in to help them um, or ways to distract and leave, rather than just going, these kinds of people are bad people, (laughs) 
because it's not always really clear. And unfortunately, when you have abusive behaviour from someone who is close to you that should be someone that protects and loves you, it's very confusing for a child. So actually teaching a child about their own rights and teaching a child how to access their own feelings about a situation and when they're really young also teaching them about who is who is appropriate to have around at certain times as well and also being with them as much as you can when they're when they're really young but really honoring the inbuilt and onboard sense of this feels okay for me this does not feel okay for me and if it doesn't feel okay for me I have the right to voice it from what age do we start talking to our kids about that kind of thing? <laughs> um, look, it starts really, really young. We can start talking about bodily autonomy and consent for touch right from the time that we start talking to them when they appear on the scene. So being respectful of their bodies and their boundaries and talking to them about what we're doing with their bodies, even when we're changing them and we're dressing them. And we're picking them up and and even as toddlers, you know, giving them the option whether to hug and to kiss and to engage in to engage in affectionate behaviour. Really difficult as a parent <laughs> to to put to give them that to give them that power, especially when you you're needing that affection at the end of the day and they're kind of like, Oh, I'm all touched out, get away from me. Um, but really important to let them know that that level of respect for their body and that level of safety is the norm. And anything that doesn't meet that norm is abnormal and needs to be spoken about. Talk to me about tickling because you had a, a post about tickling and I admit I am the tickle monster at home and uh, find both of my children totally delicious. So oh. I find it very hard when I'm tickling them and they're laughing their heads off not to just keep going. Um, but you have uh, you had a really interesting uh, approach to that can you talk me through your <laughs> sure. thoughts on tickling <laughs> um i have to admit i have a toddler who has that laugh that you want to make a ringtone out of because it's just when, yes. especially when you tickle him it's just like oh my god i don't want that to stop there's absolutely nothing wrong with um tickle play it's a great practice ground for practicing what no and stop looks like when it's respected even when we're having fun so fun times for um, young kids when they're playing, when they're playing with us and when they're playing with other kids, are great times to practice the consent skills they're going to need when they're much older and they're navigating their sexual relationships. You don't just suddenly get to 16 and go, right, I'm going to have sex. Now I need to know about consent. It has to be like an onboard an onboard tool that by the time you, you become sexual, it's, it's inbuilt, it's second nature. So tickling is one of those fun ways that you can practice and give them the idea that if they say no or stop, even if the person tickling is having a great time and they're having a great time, it's going to be respected. So you tickle them and tickle them until the point where they go, no, 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 stop. And you stop and you take your hands off and you go, I heard you say no, or I heard you say stop. And I'm going to wait here are my hands until you tell me that it's okay to start again. And 99.9% .9 of the time they look at you and you go, Go again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And you go again. But it's it's that practice of actually hearing the no and showing them what it looks like that when somebody else says no to them, they immediately hands off. I heard you know. I respect that. I'll wait for you until you're ready to play again. Or you tell me what when you want to play. There are a certain percentage of parents that will have heard this message about bodily autonomy and be very respectful of it, but then there will be those that haven't. How do you navigate a situation without it getting awkward, especially when it's someone, family or 
friends when they're swooping in to give your child a big hug and a kiss and you know your child doesn't want that. How do you negotiate that without... I, I mean, you don't want to make people uncomfortable either or make them think you think Absolutely. that they're a predator. That's not what you're saying. You're no. trying to teach your kids something. Uh, do you have any ideas on how we can navigate that? Yeah, and I think it's a really common one, especially for grandparents. Parents go, I just... it's." It's how we grew up and it's what my parents expect to be able to do with their grandchildren and it's really, really common and it's a really tough one because you don't want to be disrespectful to your own parents and you definitely don't want the misconstrued message that you're accusing them of predatory behaviour, which we've seen a lot in the media lately um, with A plus B equaling, oh my God, X, Y and Z. But what your young person needs to see from you is a way to advocate so what they're looking for from you is a skill set of what they can do when they don't want to be touched when they're older. So it doesn't have to be a really big deal and it can be done really respectfully. And you can simply say to, you can pre-warn your parents or your friends and say, hey, we're practicing this skill around consent. So we're actually like checking in with one another about whether or not we want to kiss or hug when we say hello. And it would be really great if you helped us on this. You can bring in research and say the research shows that if I want to bring up a child who is less likely to be targeted by a predator, this is a really great skill set for them to have. And most parents will jump on board immediately and actually want to have a conversation conversation about that. And if it's not being respected, it's a really great opportunity for your child to see to see this skill in action done respectfully where you can just step in and say, actually... You can see, by the way, Tommy is looking at the moment, he's really not into a hug. So we might not hug today. That's okay, isn't it? And you've got to, you've got to be that person for your child. Like if you were, if you were a sugar-free vegetarian household and somebody was trying to give your child junk food or McDonald's, you'd step in very politely and very swiftly and say, actually, in our family, these are our rules and our norms and I'd like you to respect them. And this is no different. It sounds like when you're talking about these skills with kids, you're actually, you don't even need to talk about what might happen. So you don't even have to touch on why they need these skills. Would that be right? Look, I think the, I think the conversation is always going to happen at some point simply because they see things in the media, they see things in the news and they hear things at school. And I think when things like the Royal Commission come along and we see things like uh, the Me Too movement in the media... They're an excellent time to have a really robust conversation with our young people about what can go wrong if those boundaries are overstepped and that respect is not in place. And it doesn't have to be that it terrifies them, but it's really good to acknowledge that that's in the field and you contrast that against your own family values. So for really young people, you might talk about you might talk about the fact that there are people who try very hard to touch you and not respect your boundaries and in our family that's not okay and if that were to happen who could you go to who could you tell who could you come who could you get help from what could you do and using it using it as a way to really positively contrast your family values and that you're a safe family and that that child has options and adults that are safe that they can go to so really skilling them up to feel really empowered to say, this isn't right, it doesn't feel good, I'm getting help. 
Lily, thank you so much for coming in and talking with us. It's such a pleasure. I'm going to have to get you back, though, to do the sex ed thing. Oh, Will you come definitely. back for that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Lily. That's Lily Isabella. She's the CEO of the One A Day Project. And we'll pop links to her website in the notes of this episode because she does do different courses for families, schools, and um, lots of opportunities to be educated. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time. Feed, Play, Love.